So this is God's holy and infallible word, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So we're reading from the book of Isaiah, and Isaiah was one of a good number of prophets that God sent to his people during Old Testament times, and he sent them to proclaim his word. And sometimes God wanted them in proclaiming his word to prophesy about the future. And that's what we have here in Isaiah 9. In the verse we read, in the surrounding verses, Isaiah was called and he was sent and he ministered during the time of Ahaz, who was one of the very worst kings of Israel. During his reign, and uh, you might remember the name of his wicked wife, Jezebel, during their reign, Isaiah came, sent by God, to prophesy gloom and doom because of the state of his people. God's people were sinning, straying from the Lord's ways without a care, without repentance. And they were also following false gods. Again, we sin as God's people. We, we follow the false gods of our age. But when we do, we repent. That wasn't happening at all. And so Isaiah was told to tell the people that uh, a nearby growing world power, Assyria, would be conquering Israel as a means of God's judgment because of this sin, this turning away from God's ways, this lack of sorrow for sin. So that's what he's telling them. But beyond that, Later in history, the darkness and gloom would be lifted. Isaiah is promising a light that would dawn. Specifically in our verse, we see that the light is a promised child that would be born. It's the promise of Jesus, the Savior, who would come. And in our verse, we read, he will be called, and then we get these names, titles. And they give us essential characteristics of the Son, our Jesus, who was to come. The child foretold. And as we approach Christmas this year and look at these names, we're going to see how wonderful he is. The baby Jesus, the Christ child, who we celebrate this season. Uh, the first name in this series of four is Wonderful Counselor. In the past, these were treated as two names. In the King James Bible, also in the authorized Bible from the Senate of Dort, there was literally, like you see in front of you, a comma between the two words. Also, the, the way Handel's Messiah is composed, 
That was written in the days when there was still a comma there. I'm not going to sing it. I might a little, but you can remember, you remember how it goes? Wonderful counselor, and then almighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. So those all, so they come, it's basically the way it's sung and the way it's written in the past. There's five names. Wonderful counselor. Almighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. But more recently, Wonderful and Counselor have been put together as a pair, like the other names, right? There's Almighty God, um, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And they're together in our pew Bibles, the NIV, and basically about every other modern translation. But God's people, the church throughout the ages for so many years, saw them and read them as separate. And so let's take them separately this morning. We're told he is wonderful. Wonderful. Um, so if you remember, about a year ago, we saw so many parallels between Samson, the judge, his birth story, and Jesus. Unbelievable. When Samson's father, Manoah, was told that he and his wife would have a son, if you have a really good memory, you'd remember that that same word is used in Samson's birth story as this wonderful here in Isaiah. And it's translated in Samson's birth story in our English Bibles as not wonderful, beyond understanding is what it says in our Bibles. Uh, beyond understanding. But as special as Samson was, and as wonderful as some of the Old Testament heroes of faith were, like Abraham and Moses and David and Daniel, they paled. They paled in comparison to this child who was promised to come, Jesus. In fact, in Old Testament times, any wonders that any of God's people, like, like a Moses and Daniel and so forth, any wonders that they performed or that were performed in their lifetime, and in fact, any faith that those Old Testament heroes of faith had was only because they had the spirit of this coming Christ in their hearts. And so... As we read about them, anything we find that's worthy of emulating, worthy of being an example to us in our life, it was Jesus himself anyway, the Son of God in them. It was never about them, but about God. He is the one who performed and performs wonders, and he sometimes uses people in that process. I just I think of the wonder of of creation. I think of of the wonder of that Red Sea crossing, and we actually just uh, read this in our family devotions again the last couple of weeks. That wonder of how God rescued His people from Egypt. Everyone's all happy, but then. The Egyptians came after him with their horses and chariots, and God's people all of a sudden 
were trapped between the sea in front of them, which could not be crossed, and a ferocious army behind them who wanted to kill them all. But then God told Moses to stretch out his hand, and the wind blew all night long. It divided the waters, and Israel walked through the sea on dry ground, a wall of water on their right and on their left. What a wonder! What a miracle! We think of the wonders of the conquest in Joshua's day and how God led his people into the promised land. Later, after the people were taken into exile because of their sins, God wonderfully brought them back to the promised land, keeping his promises uh, that he would be their God despite their unfaithfulness. And so God has been wonderful from the very beginning. But now he's promising the greatest wonder of them all, Jesus. Truly a wonder beyond understanding. Uh, The mystery and the miracle of a child born of a woman, like any child, but who would be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so he would also be the Son of God. Fully God, fully man, the wonder of the ages, the miracle of salvation for humanity. We see in his birth and his life that he was wonderful. He performed wonders and miracles wherever he went, the Gospels tell us. Signs that verified that he was and is the Messiah, the Christ, the child promised in Isaiah, the one who God's people in the Old Testament longed for, the hope of the ages, who would save his people from their sin and who would be a light to the nations. And then, after his birth and life, in his death and resurrection, he would fulfill God's wonderful promise in Genesis 3 that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the devil, the serpent, breaking the power of sin and evil. In 1 Timothy 3.16, there's a little profession of faith, and before it's given, it tells us this is the wonder of godliness. He appeared in a body. He was vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels. He was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. Of course, that's a description of Jesus born in Bethlehem. He's not just wonderful, as great as that is, but he's also a counselor, we read. It's not only the wonder of God's planning, carrying out uh, the creation of our world and the universe and bringing forward that whole history of salvation all throughout the Old Testament leading up to the miracle of Jesus' birth and all that he accomplished in his life and death and resurrection and ascension. It's more. What's more about it? All that wonder is 
is for you and me. As wonderful as he is, he works with us and he works in us now. As, our person, as your personal counselor, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he's called our counselor too in the Bible. And that's because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of this Jesus, this child coming. This name counselor literally means one called to come alongside. And you know what? That's what Jesus does in our lives through his spirit. He comes alongside us. Counselors help, and that's what Jesus does in our lives. And he knows exactly what we need. He knows how best to help us. When Jesus was born and he lived on this earth, uh, the people in his day, Israel, knew that they needed help. But it was the wrong kind of help that they were looking for. They didn't know what they truly needed. They wanted help from the Romans. That Roman Empire ruled over Israel at that time. But that wasn't the most important help they needed. And Jesus knew that because... He is wonderful. He didn't come to free them from Roman oppression, but from the oppression of sin and the kingdom of heaven he came to bring, not an earthly realm. And people today tend to go everywhere else but to Jesus for help and counsel. Psychologists, psychiatrists, who we call counselors, um, they can be very, very helpful for us as long as they're not replacing Jesus in our lives. People go to analysts, philosophers, false religions, astrology. People listen to false preachers. They go to false churches, all for help and counsel. But the child born in a manger is the one who knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows exactly the kind of help that, that you need this morning in your life and in your heart, in your home. The trouble is, people have a really strong tendency to resist his help. And guess what? That's even true of you and me sitting here in the church this morning. We have a strong tendency to not want Jesus' help, to resist him as our counselor. So Aldi is our go-to grocery store. Walmart's right up there too, but Aldi probably 75-80% of the time. Sarah, my wife, uh, takes the lead in feeding the family and also getting the supplies needed to make that happen. Uh, but sometimes I serve as her assistant and I, I pick up a couple things. If she goes to the grocery store, it seems like she's getting dozens and dozens of things. About the most I can handle is a dozen. Often I'm just running in there to get a couple things, a couple essentials. Well, 
A little while back, I was walking up to Aldi. I parked the car, walked up to Aldi to get just a few little things. And as I was walking up, I saw an elderly, very rough-looking gentleman near the entrance. He was on some sort of a scooter, um, you know, the kind where you have a, a, a knee on it and like the other leg on the ground. I didn't look too carefully at the scooter. He was on something like that. He had a small bag of groceries, too, I noticed. But what I really noticed is that he did not look well. His head was, he, he was over that scooter and his head was bent. So, um, and he wasn't moving. He wasn't moving on the scooter and he wasn't moving, period. And it looked to me like he was like having some health incident heart attack, maybe a stroke. So I said to him, sir, are you okay? He was down, and then he slowly lifted up his head so I could see his eyes and see his unkempt beard and hair even more clearly. And he said, what the blank are you talking to me for? Get out of here. Mind your own business. I was more than a little shaken. <laughs> and then he said, what are you doing here? So I responded with, well, it looked like you needed help. And he said, why? Are you a blankety-blank doctor? What do you know? Who do you think you are anyway? And I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, and, and so I kind of walked into Aldi, shaking my head. Uh, the guy Came, there's a guy who came in right after me who saw the whole thing, and I'm shaking my head. He's like, buddy, you did the right thing. It was kind of a traumatic experience. And it, it, I mean, a first inclination is, well, that's the last time I ever try to help a stranger. But obviously, I'm not going to let one troubled and ornery guy impact whether I do the right thing going forward. But then, you know, Something struck me as time went on a little bit about that interaction. It stuck with me, as you can tell. Uh, but something struck me. Like, I was like, what is up with this guy? In the course of thinking about that, and it's, this is what struck me. That guy's response to my offer of help, that's how each one of us responds to God. That's, our, that's what our sinful nature does. God comes with his help. He comes with Jesus, the counselor. And our initial response is, get out of here. Scram. What makes you think I need you? I don't need your help. I'm doing just fine on my own. Even though we're really troubled, we're, even though we're dying in our sin. And, and if we think we're any different than that guy responding to me, if we think our response to God initially is any different, then we don't really know who we are deep down. And we've missed the message of the Bible and what God's Word says we are. We're fallen. 
We're sinners. We're enemies of God. We're antagonistic toward him. And we're deserving of hell because of it. That's how corrupt your and my old man of sin is. Praise be to God that Jesus doesn't just walk by and he doesn't walk away. With that type of response, he'd have every reason to. But thank God he does not. He persists. He woos us with his spirit until we come to realize how much we do need him. He sends the spirit to each one of us, his children. He puts faith in our hearts. He softens us up. He softens those hearts so that we are willingly then responding to the help that he offers. And then when we do that, he becomes our personal helper, our personal counselor. And not just each one of us individually, but as the book of Acts tells us, he counsels and leads and he helps his church, faith church, his church everywhere. Truly, the child promised, the child born, the son given, is a wonderful counselor. Jesus is our counselor, our helper. He's the one who does wonders and miracles, and none of them are greater than the miracle of salvation that he does in your heart and in mine. A little bit later in Isaiah, Isaiah 40, we read that the Lord comes to his people who at this time are distressed by their failures and their sin and their helplessness. They, they've got it. They figured it out that they failed the Lord, and, and they're sorry for this. And he says to them in their distress about their sin, and he says the same to all of us in Isaiah 40, comfort, comfort. And he tells us he's going to make our paths straight in the wilderness. In other words, he's going to lead us all the way. He'll be your wonderful counselor your whole life long, closer than a friend, closer than a brother, a husband, or a wife. Your only help, the helper you need and that I need. Are, are you, by faith, embracing this one who is coming and who has come? Does your life display your love and devotion and service to the wonderful counselor, your Jesus? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, our triune God, we thank you for what uh, Isaiah prophesied long ago that Jesus would come and be born. We thank you for these characteristics that we've seen of him, that he's wonderful and he's a counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. Oh, Lord, help us to bow before Jesus and help us to receive his help. And may our lives look like we're bowing down to him wherever we are. May our lives look like we are receiving his help. 
instead of shutting him out. And forgive us, O oh God, when we have shut him out. Soften our hearts. Woo us by your spirit ever closer to you, O oh God, and ever closer uh, to your people, all of us who are here to receive the help of Jesus born in Bethlehem. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.